Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. And I'm really excited to bring you... A, a place that I wasn't really familiar with. It's been around since 2016, but I just became aware of it recently because a friend recommended it, a friend that I trust very much, and David Lasoy from Virtuoso Pizzeria, thank you so much for recommending this because it's now on my list of Mexican places that I just absolutely love. That's the churro spot, and I've got the owner today, Omar Garrido. Omar, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate the invitation and glad to be here. So I want to make something clear right off the bat. The, the restaurant is called the Churro Spot. And for what it's worth, the churros are absolutely excellent. They are worth visiting the restaurant for alone. But I don't want anyone to think that churros is all you sell. You've got a menu full of Mexican dishes from tacos, sopes, burritos, tamales, and more. So it, you guys kind of run the full gamut. How would you explain or describe the churro spot to someone who's visiting for the first time? Well, I would describe it as a, a regular Mexican restaurant. I would call it kind of a Mexican restaurant express because we don't have the full like menu, but we have the same items that we used to sell in the food trucks. Like you mentioned, since 2016, we definitely have a, a variety of tacos, tortas, burritos, quesadillas, nachos, all the basic uh, handheld food that you would get in main restaurants, except for uh, we don't have uh, the full like entrees that most Mexican restaurants offer. But that's kind of that was a concept I wanted to have. So I wanted something fast, fresh, and delicious. So yeah, we have a uh, churros for sure, but we also have a full, I mean, line of different menu items that people will love. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned uh, the the churro spot. It is a full restaurant now. You started as a as a food truck and we're going to get into that background later but i just wanted to mention it off the top of somebody's like hey i've been to the churro truck is that similar it's the same thing it's just all under the same umbrella we'll get into the background later but first before we get into anything else i mean it's called the churro spot we got to talk about churros what in your mind makes an upper echelon churro well it's got to be fresh that's for sure it's got to be freshly fried and uh i mean churro the shelf life for a churro is not a that long so obviously it's got to be fresh and uh i mean you got to eat it within the first five minutes otherwise it won't be as delicious as you would want it to as you and i mean plenty of sugar plenty of sugar plenty of cinnamon that makes a churro the way to go now in my research i saw that it was a trip to mexico that really inspired you to 
to open this place. And you just saw these churro carts and these churro, um, basically churro vendors on the street that were just like being flocked by people. And that sparked an idea in your mind. We'll get more into the backstory later, but can you tell me a little bit about that experience and what it was that made like that light bulb go off in your head? Yeah, and that's exactly how I was on in Juarez, Juarez, Mexico, right in the border town. So I saw a lot of families that we were at, at a mall there in the right in the border town. We used to see uh, families coming through and then just like form huge lines and different churro stands inside the mall. And I was just sitting there enjoying the churro myself and realizing how delicious they were. I'm like, wait, we don't have anything like that in Nebraska. I knew of a couple places here in town that sold churros, but nothing like the ones we sell or nothing like the ones I was eating at in Juarez. So I was like, well, that would be a good concept to have in Nebraska. Nobody has it. And and at the moment, I was thinking about I wanted to start my own business. And I was like, I just put two and two together. I'm like, I think that's it. I think it's it's calling my name. So that's when an idea came that I wanted to have a churro place here in Nebraska. I didn't have a name. I didn't have a plan for anything. But that idea was there. So how do you, once you establish that idea in your mind, how do you go about like, crafting the perfect churro recipe how much r&d goes into that well i mean when we first started the before i even opened the truck i started practicing quite a few different recipes in our garage and uh, i mean to be honest we even started selling some on the like a local pages here in town i would just advertise and some people would come to my house and pick them up and i mean making the perfect dough for churros is kind of hard even if you follow a recipe you kind of got to mix it the right. You got to have the right water temperature. It's it's kind of a process, but I mean, slowly we started getting the hang of it, and uh, we we just started making our traditional churros, and then we went from there. It's one of those foods that I feel like seems so simple, but like you just mentioned, like there's a lot of science that goes into it. Anytime you're working with dough, I feel like things they have to be precise. They are a little bit complicated because just a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of one ingredient, a little bit of temperature fluctuation can really change the end product. How long did it take for you to go from that idea of, hey, maybe I should open, you know, a churro themed concept to nailing down that churro when you just bit into it and you were just like, yep, this is it. I got my recipe. You know, it's, I still struggle with it sometimes. You know, we try to have it perfect all the time, but. It's it's all it's a constant process. I mean, the temperature outside kind of makes a difference, and the yeast, and uh, I mean, just not necessarily yeast, but I mean, just the water, the temperature outside, flour. You got it. I don't know. It's always a struggle, but I think we got it down pretty pretty close to perfection. It took me a while, but we're well, we're glad to have it where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to point out, you guys, you have the traditional churro, which is awesome, but you also offer some varieties off of that that. Ones that have Bavarian cream, ones that have uh, the the Oreo churro, which is just phenomenal. I would recommend that to anyone. And also, I'm probably going to butcher the name of this, but Cajeta? Cajeta. Cajeta, all right, which is like a Mexican caramel. So how, like, once you come up, come up with your base churro recipe, how did you start kind of conceptualizing these different churros that you're going to do? Well, you know, we knew that... Uh Every time we were selling our traditional churros, people kept asking us for different flavors. You guys have a chocolate. Do you guys have strawberry? And, uh, I mean, when we first started, we we did everything from scratch. And uh, 
we we started doing a lot of private events. We were extremely busy, like 50 people, 70, 100, 125, 150 people. So then we started, I mean, we started reaching out to a couple of different suppliers for some of our our actual flavor churros. So our flavor churros, we don't necessarily make them ourselves anymore just because we got it so busy over time. But, I mean, when we first started, we did make everything from scratch. And right now it's just, I mean... People wanted different flavors, so we kind of figure out we got to give them what they want and whatever it took. So we right now we have a traditional churros, Bavarian cream, cajeta, Oreo, apple, and raspberry. So I want to hit on more than just churros. I want to hit on some of the other Mexican staples that we were talking about. Tacos are excellent. Uh, sopes, very good. Quesadilla, my wife absolutely just was thrilled by it. But I want to hit on a menu item that I think is a little bit slept on, and that's the torta. I've become a huge fan of tortas over the last year. I, I think that they're just awesome. It's it's a Mexican sandwich, basically. And when I came in for the first time, I asked you, because you guys got a pretty full menu. I was like, Omar, help me out here. Like, Be my guide. What do I need to order? And you said, asada torta. That's the way to go. What made you say that? What, like, okay, first of all, let's just start baseline. What is a torta? What makes them so awesome? And what do we need to do to get people to realize how great tortas are and start ordering more of them? Because they're fantastic. Tortas are definitely, tortas is my uh, favorite item on the menu. I mean, obviously, you can't go wrong with tacos. I love tacos. I mean, who doesn't like a good asada taco? I mean, pastor, carnitas, anyway, whatever you want. But tortas have always been my favorite. Uh, ever, ever since I was growing up in Mexico, I wherever we went out to eat, that's what I used to have, a torta. And every every stop, every place that I used to go, I always found out that there was something missing. Either they didn't put enough onion, they didn't put avocado, they didn't put beans. And I don't know, I figured like over time I started realizing what makes a delicious torta. And I just figure, I mean, I'm not going to skimp on any of my my toppings. I'm just going to give the customers what I would like to have in a torta. And so far, everybody that has one of ours, they say they're delicious and they keep coming back for more. I guess basically a torta would be kind of like a burger. for, And I mean, an American culture would be like a burger, but I would say 10 times better is what I like <laughs> to say. Is what I like to say. But yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with our tortas in-house. I would fully agree with that. And before we get into your backstory, there's one more menu item that I have to get your opinion on here. And that is a meat. I feel like cachete is having a moment right now. Like everywhere I go, whether it's a Mexican restaurant or not, beef cheeks just seem to be popping up on the menu and more and more people are just loving them. What it, What is it about this meat that you think makes it special and why was it so important for you to have it on your menu? Well, cachete is kind of something that if you're not used to it, you kind of feel like a cow cheek. It's kind of like, you know, something uh-huh. that you kind of are like, I don't know if I want to try it. But once you have it, the meat is so tender and so flavorful that uh, it's a must. And the taco, you can't go wrong. I mean, you put cachete in the taco, add a little cilantro, onion, and lime, you, you, won't, you won't regret it. That's going to be your favorite to go to meat. I mean, it's just something that's, at first, when we put it on the menu, we weren't selling it as much. After like a couple a month or so, I was thinking maybe this is not the item for this part of town. You know, it's more like a Hispanic community has been eating cachete for years. I mean, everybody knows what cachete is. A lot of American community doesn't really are not used to it. But 
slowly started taking off and now i feel like we're going through cachete a lot more than even some of our basic meats uh-huh. it's just delicious i feel like it's similar to lengua which is beef tongue and that like it does sound weird to try it for the first time but once you try it like that switch just clicks in your head and you're just like i don't care what part of the animal this comes from it's delicious and i need more of it it's really flavorful for sure uh, cachete is a little bit more fatty yeah. compared to lengua, but they're both delicious. I mean, and then if you prep them right, you put the right ingredients. I mean, it just—I mean—you can have a great, a great, great—I mean—type of meat that people won't even know what it is. If you bite into a taco and you don't even know what it is, oh, what is this? It's almost like pot roast. It's just delicious. I love that. So you mentioned growing up in in Mexico and enjoying the food there. How did you get into cooking originally? You know what? I think it's my mom and dad. We There were six of us kids, so they were always cooking different. They would used to come up with recipes at home with whatever they can get their hands on. I mean, six kids and growing up in Mexico. Then we moved to L.A., California. So, I mean, we didn't really have a lot of uh, a lot of money, let's say, to go out to restaurants all the time. So they, my mom and dad were always coming up with different recipes with whatever they had in the fridge. And I think just from there, my mom used to cook every day. My dad used to cook on the weekends. And just watching them, learning from them, I, I mean, it just runs in the family. Now, wh- when did you start working in restaurants? I started working in restaurants at the age of 16. Uh, actually, when I first got here to Omaha in 1999, that was my I've, my first jobs were ever were in a restaurant. I had a daytime restaurant job and the nighttime I had was working like 70 hours a week in two restaurants. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I started going to high school and then I dropped out, got my GED, but the whole time, I mean, that's all I ever done restaurants. So, I mean, it was just a uh, natural for me to open up my own restaurant at one point in life. Mm-hmm. Was that always the goal? Not always, but I mean, it just, came it just came to me when when i realized i was let me i gotta do i gotta work for myself i gotta open my own business what else in restaurant that's that's what i've done and i had managed quite a few restaurants in the past as well so i knew a little bit of how to run the food costs labor costs and i know how to cook just from my parents on that what else that's calling my name Mm -hmm. now as i kind of got into some of the research about how how you opened your spot the way that your wife, Hannah, tells it, you came home from work one day. You you were working at a fire alarm company. You came home from work one day, and you basically just told her, I want to open a food truck. Where, where like, can you, I'll just let you tell the story. Tell that story for me. Like, how did you decide that you wanted to open a food truck, and, and how did you tell your wife? Well, I mean, um, I was working at fire alarm companies for my in-laws. So I was working for my in-laws, and... I did that for two years, but I wasn't quite happy. You know, it's just mostly, I mean, the job was great, but I just, like I said, I've, I was only, I've only worked in restaurants all my life. So it was completely different. And, uh, every day I was saying, every day I used to go to work and I would think like, man, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Cause this is not satisfying me, you know? And then I just, uh, my, my dad and my uncles, they have a couple food trucks in town as well. So I'm like, well, they're, they're doing great. They have a good business. My uncle has a restaurant. I'm like, maybe I should follow in their footsteps. So I I came home and I told my wife, Hannah, I was like, hey, I think I want to open a food truck. And she's like, oh, well, that's something to talk about. We'll think about it. I mean, maybe we can do it down the road a couple of years from now. I'm like, 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe a couple of years down the line, we might be able to. But of course, I mean, she didn't say no. She just said, <laughs> she said maybe we can do it down the road. I was like, okay. So I went, I went back to work the next day, and that's all I can think of. Like, okay, maybe that's what it's got to be. So that weekend, I went, I talked to my dad. He had, an, he had an extra food truck that he wasn't using. So I asked him if he would sell it to me. He said, sure. I'm, at, I'm like 15000 I'm like, all right, well, I can do that. Can you do payments? And he said, yeah, let's do three payments. So we went, I went ahead and bought it. I didn't tell Hannah. I just bought it. And then uh, <laughs> I started doing my... It's a bold move, my friend. Yeah, exactly. That's pushing ask for forgiveness, not permission. And that's exactly edge. what I did. <laughs> so I started getting information about an LLC because I want to do it right. And I want to... I went and I met up with a guy. He filed my LLC. And I didn't know about this either. So I finally showed up and I told him, hey, so guess what? I'm opening up a food truck. I got him the truck and I got the LLC, so we're ready to go. She was in shock, but she was supportive. So uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been uphill since then. I mean, it's been great. So how did, you mentioned that you had the idea for a kind of churro-themed concept when you were visiting Mexico. How did you kind of build out the concept and decide, okay, it's going to be called the churro spot, but we're going to offer these menu items. Like, how did you figure out exactly what the churro truck was going to be? You know, uh, the menu has changed over the years. When I first opened up my truck, I was only selling like churros, smoothies, just kind of like a snack truck. I had churros, smoothies, chips. I had a, I don't remember, I mean, hot dogs, basic items, but I realized that if I wanted to make a, have a business that was going to be more successful, I needed to offer more food items. I mean, because my idea from the beginning was to go to different businesses around town and turn offer them lunch. And I knew we're just selling churros and snacks that they were not going to hire me for for any lunch for any company. So slowly I started putting in a couple of different types of meats. I started with tacos and I'm like, well, people want burritos. So I had put burritos in it and I had the tortas and slowly it became what it is now. Just a full, full menu. What was the initial response by the public? Because like you mentioned, we don't in Omaha, we don't have any restaurants or concepts that are dedicated to churros. Like there, there are some restaurants that offer them, but none focus on them. And I don't think any put quite the effort into the science of it like you do. So when you first opened the food truck, like, what were people's responses? You know, the main, I guess the main thing why people were a little confused on our truck is so our logo. I don't know if you noticed, our logo is a little dog. Uh-huh. So a lot, of, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of people would come to our truck, do you guys sell dog food? People thought, <laughs> it was, people thought it was a dog food truck. So that was only, but you know, like the first evening we opened, because when I first opened my truck, I was still working full time at the fire alarm company. So I would I work 40 hours there during the day. And then I would go and open in the evenings from four to nine. But I remember the first afternoon we opened, I opened my windows and we sold $230. Wow. And we didn't use face. We didn't have a Facebook. We didn't have anything. We just went downtown by the, what was it, 14th and Farnham, Gene Lee Himal. Yeah. We parked there. It was the summer. We opened the windows and $230 for us. I've never worked in the truck before. I knew how to cook, but I've never in that little tight space. So we opened the windows and we, we got to us, we thought we were extremely busy. $230 was just opening the windows the first day. We like, I think I have something here, you know? Uh-huh. People will come to the window, ask if we had dog food, but then they were like, oh, you sell churros. And some people didn't know what it was either. That, I mean, still. So they like, you got churros? What are they? So I had to explain to a lot of people. And then we started selling them. We started selling those smoothies that we used to have. And, I mean, 
since the, since the day we opened our windows, I think it was a it was a great response from the customers that were around the area. Now you mentioned that working on a food truck very different than working in a a normal kitchen. What were some of the early adjustments that you had to make that maybe you didn't expect to food truck life? I guess the main the main problem that I encountered right away is that I didn't have enough power. I had a little generator that every time I used to run my blender to do the smoothies, that everything would shut off. So I would have to run out of the truck, restart the generator, go back inside the truck, try to start the smoothie machine again, and then we shut off again. So that was my main, main problem. And then, uh, obviously, the tight space, you, you're not used to having such a small, I mean, not enough room to move around. And I don't know, I had just been used to working in big kitchens from different restaurants in town. And just, it took some time. It took some time, but, I mean, slowly, we just started getting all the ins and outs of the food truck. And uh, I think now we can, uh, I even uh, talk to a lot of people that want to open their food truck and let them know the, the positives and the negatives, what to do, what not to do. But it's just time and experience. It, it took some time, but I think we finally got it down to a science on that. With that mentorship aspect, how much did it help you having your dad having that food truck experience? Like, were there any really important lessons that he passed on to you? You know, uh, there was some, a lot, I used to call him often, but I mean, he, my dad is a person that doesn't talk too much. He doesn't like to, so he was like, well, just do it yourself. You can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, but how much do I put into a burrito? I was like, I don't know. I'm not running your business. You, So, you know, he helped me in a way, but not, I mean, not all my recipes, all my items are my my own. He kind of gave me some guidance, but not as much as I kind of wanted to. I just learned by trial and error, I guess. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, that experience is the best teacher. Exactly. So like you said, you, you're still working full-time at the, uh, the at the fire alarm company during the early days of the churro truck. Can you just kind of take me back? Like, that sounds insane, just working a 40-hour-a-week job and then, you know, immediately getting off, going working on a food truck for four or five hours every night. Can you kind of take me back to that time and just what life was like for you during that period? Yeah, the first year, I would tell you, it, you're right, it was insane. I was working like, let's say between 37 to 40 hours on my uh, fire alarm company job. And then I will leave and go straight to my shop and like get my truck ready for the evening, be downtown by 4.30. And then I wouldn't come home till like 9.30, 10 p.m. every single day. I was, so I was working 6 to 10 every day for a couple of years. I did that, I believe so. And then uh, to not to make it even a little bit crazier, I started working the bar crowd. So sometimes I would go to work at 6 a.m. I would be at work at 7, get up at 6 a.m., work my full, uh, I would be down there at 3, go get my truck ready, be downtown by 4.30, and I wouldn't be done till like 2.33 in the morning because I would do the bar crowd on Fridays and Saturdays. But I don't know. I mean, I had the drive. I was motivated. I wanted to make my business succeed. And like I said, I mean, I did whatever I had to, whatever I had to do to, to make that happen. There was uh, Fridays and Saturdays. I was Fridays I was working like 21-hour days. Saturdays I was working 19-hour days. And I did that for three years nonstop. Oh, but I, so yeah, it was, I don't know. Like I would say like 80-hour weeks, 85, 90 sometimes. But, I mean, it made it work. After a couple of years, after a year or so, I finally quit my job and just went full-time with the truck. Was there ever a point where you just kind of looked at the situation and you're like, this is too much. I don't know if I made a mistake here. 
Many times, <laughs> many times. I'm like, is this is this what I want to do? Is this something that is this worth it? Sometimes, you know. But I mean, I just I always had my motivation. I'm like, I want to make sure that my business is successful. I wouldn't be able to, you know, just kind of drop it and live happy after that. I would have to give it my all. So there was many times. It was hard, hard work. I remember middle of summer sometimes we'll be driving to an event we had a couple of grease fires with my fryer i mean those are things that you learn that you don't start your fryer when you're driving i mean i didn't know that so we had i started my fryer we started driving to an event so a little bit of oil drips down and catches right on the burners and grease fire is 100 degrees in the truck i'm driving in the interstate <laughs> my wife is right next to me i'm like go turn, go turn it off go, go, go throw water and i don't know we have very stressful days very hard moments with me and the wife i mean just struggling to make the business run the way it is now and i mean we had our good times our bad times and times where we were very doubtful but we're happy we stuck around and we're at where we're at now you mentioned 2017 was when you quit your full-time job and, and made the churro truck your full-time job. Obviously a very bold step to do that. What was it about that timing that made you confident that this business is here to stay? I know that I can do this and I can make this my full-time gig. I, I think it's the overwhelming amount of requests to do private events. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I've never really asked any other truck in town how many they get or whatever, but we were getting them on a daily basis. We were, we were booking two events a day, every day, and we, I mean, we had to say no to a lot of them on Sundays for sure. And we, there were times when we had three events a day, so I was like, you know what, this is definitely looking like like it's a successful business at this point. And I was getting obviously, I couldn't handle both. I mean, full time job in the morning and full time job at night. So I decided I want to do something on my own, and it was time. It was time after I saw the the need and the amount of requests we kept getting. Mm-hmm. With the increased popularity, this is just something that I'm so interested in for really any new business, but especially a food truck, is just the process of getting your name out there. Because for any new restaurant, it's it's tough to, to break through the noise and to get people excited about a new concept because there's just so many restaurants in Omaha. I feel like it's even harder for a food truck because you don't have that stable location. You don't have, you know, you're not necessarily getting people who are, driving by the same location on their way to work every day going, man, what is that? Maybe I should try that for lunch today, something like that. With a food truck, you're, you're mobile. Your schedule is constantly changing. Uh, so how, how did you, in those early days, as you're increasing in popularity, how did you get your name out there and, and let people know, hey, th- there's a new truck, and it's pretty cool? I believe it was a lot of word of mouth. People really loved our, I mean, the authentic authenticity of it i mean we we're uh, we're mexican food but we have our own twists and stuff you know we put our let's say you you had some of our tacos we put a little bit different toppings on each one depends on what it is you get a little bit different and i mean word of mouth people really like the burritos or tacos and facebook is something that really helped us out i mean and me and my wife are great when it comes to advertising i think we we've even had some people in the over the years that ask us who do we use to to do our facebook posts and we, it just comes from us. So I think that's something that really helped us out. A lot of people, that's a compliment we get all the time. We do a great job advertising. We do a great job communicating with what we're doing. I mean, we always doing live videos. We're posting videos of how we cook our items. And I think that's the main, main thing, Facebook and word of mouth, for sure. 
I would totally agree with that. I think so many restaurants underutilize social media and I can confirm because I was trying to go back on some of your Facebook posts and look at some old posts that you had from a couple of years ago. And I was just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling because you guys post a lot, but that's yeah. good because yeah. you're constantly getting updates out there, especially as a food truck saying, Hey, we're going to be at this location at this time. Come get these menu items. Like that's super important. And I don't think enough restaurants utilize it. Exactly. And sometimes I feel like maybe people are thinking I'm what we're doing, but I'm like, wait, it's a, it's a business page. It's a true truck page, right? What else am I going to put in here? So, yeah, I I, mean, I feel like man, people may, might get annoyed, by it, but I'm like, I don't know. I mean, hopefully they don't, but, I mean, it's that's what it's for, right? I mean, it's a true truck page, and so I, I try to post anything. I mean, if we're cooking beans, I'll record a little video. If we're cooking rice, I mean, because I also want people to see that we got nothing to hide, you know? We clean kitchen, I mean, fresh ingredients, so... I mean, people like that. People like to see what they're eating, and people like to see that they're working, they're coming to a clean environment, and we just, I mean, we love to do that. We like to communicate with uh, our customers. Oh, I, I think it's super important. I don't think it's annoying at all. I, I love kind of getting behind the scenes and seeing food being cooked and, like, not only to understand, hey, this isn't frozen, this is we're making this fresh, but also just, like, to learn and to, to see that get cooked. And I love how you guys use social media to kind of bring the restaurant to life. Like it feels like when you're sharing pictures of your dog or you're sharing pictures of you guys, like, you know, on vacation or something like, yeah, it's not directly related to the business per se, but it's giving the restaurant a personality. It's bringing the restaurant to life. It's no longer a business. It's like, Hey, there are, there are people behind this business and, and I get to meet them too. And I think that just adds a whole new layer and makes people like it all the more. People feel like they're at home. Right. Sure. And yeah. that's kind of what we try to do. And even when they come into a restaurant, I get I get that all the time. They're like, this feels so like so homey. They feel so they love the way it's decorated. They love the colors. They like the atmosphere. And and you know Like Hannah helps me with a lot of that too. We we both have a good uh a good connection when it comes to the way we want to decorate, what what I want, what she wants. I was even thinking putting a little digital menu and she's she's the one to stop me from. She's like don't you don't want digital man that will take away from the whole experience that you have here like a more homey feeling and she was right i was like yeah you know you're right and that would make it more <laughs> like a like a chain restaurant we don't want that so yeah little things like that we we kind of pay a lot of attention to detail when it comes to that and like i said i mean i want a lot of our customers to feel like they know us and they do they know us by name and we know them and I wanted to feel comfortable coming in there and just having a conversation having a good dinner, a good lunch, and just leaving happy. You kind of touched on this before, but is that how you began to expand the menu uh, from just talking with customers? Like, I, I guess, you know, because you just started, you said you started off as churros and snacks, but yeah. then it evolved and that all of a sudden there were tacos and there were burritos and there were tortas. How did you come to the decision that I think we can expand this beyond just churros? We can start introducing some of the Mexican dishes that I grew up with and I really love. Well, I mean, we, we like I said, people did keep asking us, well, do you guys have this type of meat? Do you guys have that type of meat? And I mean, I when I first started selling tacos and the basic burritos and tortas, I only had steak, chicken, and pork, which asada, pastor, y pollo. But then people would ask me, do you have uh, carnitas? And I'm like, no, sorry, I don't. People were like, do you have cachete? And I don't. Do you have lengua? So I'm like, you know, I'm going to give the customers what they want. So, I mean, and 
what I mean, I know how to do them. I know how to cook them all. But I just at first I was a little bit hesitated, thinking that it, I mean the customers wouldn't want to eat those. I mean, kind of like a cachete and lengua because people are a little bit afraid of them. But people kept asking me, so I I mean, the more they ask them, that's what I try to give them. Mm-hmm. So now we sell enchiladas as well because people will always go to the restaurant ask for enchiladas. We got sopas, we got fish tacos. So slowly keeps expanding. Seems like every year we add another item or two. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, dear listener, but I like to know where my food comes from. I love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats, cheeses, and vegetables arrive from. It gives me confidence that I'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand. The same goes for beef, and that's one of the main reasons why I love Certified Piedmontese. Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. All certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics, and it's 100% source verified by Where Food Comes From Incorporated. And when you buy certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on Piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. Uh, obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about how the popularity just keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing. I think that's why it was such a surprise when on August 26th of 2020, you put out really what I would say was a stunner of a social media post and you announced that the churro truck was going to be closing. What went into that decision and how difficult was that for you? It was really difficult. I mean, cause that's something that I had been working on since 2016 and that was kind of like my life, you know, for a moment. I mean, for the past three years, four years. And we were just going through a rough time with uh, some family problems, family issues that we were going through. And at the moment, it was just like a, we didn't really put much thought of it. We were, I mean, we just decided, you know what, we're done. We're, we can't follow through with the business. We got to focus on our personal issues and then resolve that before we, I mean, before anything else. So we... We decided it was time to close the business, but uh, and we posted on our social media, like like you know, we we're good at posting everything. The amount of response we got from the private messages and people offering even financial help and any kind of help, people were like, "No, if you guys needed some financial help, we're willing to let you borrow some, or you can have some, and we'll help you in whatever way, shape, or form." And we took a couple of days and we we're like, "You know what? I don't think it's our time yet." customers really want some more of the churro truck at the moment it was a churro truck so i mean we kind of got to work through it and make it make it work and i'm glad we didn't close because look at where we're at now now we have the brick and mortar we still have the truck and i mean i think we're stronger than ever so before you announced that you were reopening take me back to the august 26 because like i mentioned you put out the the message that hey we're closing it was even later that day that you put out another message saying, hey, you know, we're overwhelmed by all the positive feedback. Maybe the truck will reopen someday. Like, the door went from being closed to open a little bit. Like, there was a crack there. What what type of messages were you get? Like, you kind of touched on this, but what was it about those messages that, that made you go from, nope, we're done, to, wait a second, you know, maybe, maybe this is so important that we can't quite let this go yet. Well, pretty much all the positive messages and then people really saying how great our food was. I mean, even at the moment when you're having a hard time with and you're 
mental health is not the best at the moment or you're having some issues, family, you're dealing with family problems at the moment, all that positive energy, all those good comments and all the help the community offer, that just made me and Hannah think of think think it think it over and be like, you know what? We're probably not thinking right. We're going to take a couple of days and, I mean, figure this out. Figure this out and make this work. We're, I mean, we're going to do it for the community. We're going to do it for some of our friends that were reaching out, family that was reaching out. Like, we, we can't. We can't. We just got to make this work one way or another. And then even that same evening, we were talking about it all day. And me and Hannah were talking about all day. Maybe this is not the right choice. Maybe we just, I don't know, but do we need to take some time and, at the end, that same day, I think we realized it, it wasn't it wasn't time to let it go yet. Mm-hmm. So two days later, August twenty eighth was the day that you officially announced, "Hey, we are we're still here. We're not done. We're we're going to keep going." But I believe you uh, you said that there were going to be some reduced hours, maybe some reduced days. Like, what kind of changes did you have to make to to make the churro truck? Uh, viable for yourself personally, not not from a financial standpoint, but you mentioned there was some stuff going on in your life. What kind of restraints did you have to put on yourself to say, you know, maybe I can't go quite as hard as I was going before, but I can still make this a viable business? I, I believe is when we started cutting down on some events. That was some part of the, the you know, the situation that I was always at work too busy with I wasn't focusing on anything else in life but work, work, work. So we cut back on some events. Uh, I believe we 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 cut back on working so much, so many after hours because that was also killing me. You know, I was a I was like a zombie on Mondays. You know, from working so many hours Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just doing all the prep work and cleaning. So we just definitely cut back on a lot of private events. We definitely cut back on after hours, and we took some more. Uh, we made sure we had some more time for the family, pretty much. That's what, that's what the ended up helping us out as a lot. How did that benefit you personally? A lot. I mean, it helped us out tremendously because I mean, we were able to follow through with the business and uh, still give the our customers what they wanted and still have time for family. You know, like sometimes you you get lost and trying to focus on just making your business success successful, and then you forget about wife you forget about kids you forget about friends and family and that i mean it just kind of i try to have everything a little bit more level a little bit like more level for work family and friends mm-hmm. at what point does the idea for a brick and mortar enter your mind well the brick and mortar i've had it in the back of my head the whole time but I never really said anything to Hannah again because I know she was not, not going to be happy with it. But <laughs> I've always, what I would say is like 2018, 2019, I've always, every time I drive anywhere, I would always be having my eyes open for a, a good location, which what I thought would be a good location. I always wanted something not too big, hopefully with a drive through And I mean, I, I always had my eyes open for the perfect opportunity. And when this one came that it was going to be for lease, I, I mean, I didn't wait before they even close their doors when I was already bothering them that I wanted to, I was interested in that location. I figured it's a perfect location for us. I mean, close to Dundee, close to South Omaha, close to North. I mean, we're a little perfect central location. So as soon as I saw it, I knew that was the spot. Yeah. You guys are located right off uh, 50th and center now, kind of in yeah. that general area. Um, yeah. Just like, 
I just I can only imagine, you know, as a as a restaurateur who has been working in a food truck, when you walk into that space for the first time and you start looking around before you even sign a lease or anything, like what it, what is your mind doing? Are you immediately thinking like, oh, I can, you know, this is how I can arrange the kitchen. This is how we can arrange the seat. Like, is your mind just popping back and forth like that? A hundred percent. So the moment I walked into those doors, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have my register here. Then the kitchen, I look back in the kitchen. I need to have a fryer here. I need my flats up here. I was already organizing everything without even signing it, not even talking to the owner. The, not, I mean, I looked at the whole place and like, yep, this will work for me. I can do this here. I can do that. And I mean, I'm going to paint this. I'm going to decorate like this. And immediately, I mean, once you know, I think you just, you, just, you know that that's the spot. Mm-hmm. I just walked in there and I was like, yep. Yeah, I can definitely do this. So as soon as I left there, I started emailing, calling, trying to get a hold of the owner, landlords and whatever. And it, I mean, we just went for it. Now, some of this might seem kind of obvious on the surface, but I think it's important to understand. You have a successful food truck, so you know that you can you can nail the food. You're You're good at that. What are the main differences as you are opening your own restaurant, the brick and mortar. What are the main differences between operating that versus operating the food truck? Well, there's a, a lot more overhead costs for sure. I mean, that's one thing. And then you need a, we need, I needed to hire more staff. And then, I mean, the way things are right now with the way, I mean, it's hard. That's the hardest because I mean, with a truck, we can run it with two people most of the time. Unless we have an event, we need three. Now that I have the restaurant, I need definitely to have two cooks in the back, a couple of people up front, and we have our events with the truck. So that was the main, I mean, the main issue, just having enough, enough staff to help us. And, I mean, obviously, like, the overhead cost is a lot more than the truck, so that's something that I wasn't really quite thinking at first. You got to make sure you have customers coming in to, in order to be able to pay the bills. So, it's a, it's, I mean, it's quite different, but I, I, I do have experience in that as well. I mean, I ran a restaurant for... 14 years so I mean I know I know what I'm doing I guess I, I like to think and I knew what I was getting into is a diff, big difference but I, I I was expecting it you've mentioned that you feel like the family atmosphere both on your social media on the food truck and the restaurant is a big part of what has made the churro truck and now the churro spot successful and something that people really gravitate towards as you're designing that space, other than the menu board and you mentioned the colors as well, what did you do to kind of create that homey, friendly, family-style atmosphere? Well, like to the decoration, I'm not I mean, you've seen it. We have some of pictures of our dog. Yep. A picture is an old picture of our old truck. We have a couple. I mean, just, I mean, we like to make it more like you walk in there, you feel like you're going to, I don't know, like a, like, I mean, like you're walking into a regular Mexican family kitchen, I guess. And we just, I mean, we don't have anything too fancy in there looking. We just have our basic decorations that we would have at our house. And like I said, quite a few different personal pictures. And I mean, just, I don't know. We, I like to, we like to go to Cancun and there's a lot of Mexican restaurants on there. And we got some of the ideas from there too. Like, I mean, decoration, colors and all that. February 26, 2022. That's when the brick and mortar opens for the first time. So take me back to that day. Just what what do you remember most about that day? Nervous. I was really nervous. E- even after having the successful food truck, you were still nervous? 
Yes, yes, I was. Just, I mean, I don't know. It was something completely different. Like I said, and I run a restaurant too. I know how to manage a restaurant, but it was still, it was like a new, new experience for us. And I was wondering if it was going to be busy, if we were ready. And we had a couple different items that I hadn't, nobody had tried yet. I mean, we didn't sell them at the truck. So it was the first time offering it to the public. And I wonder if they're going to like it. I don't know. I get in my head. So I was like, hopefully they like the fish tacos. Hopefully they like the enchiladas. Hopefully they like the veggie tacos. And it was really, really, I mean, I guess nerve wracking for me. I just couldn't, I don't know. I knew it was, I knew we were successful. I knew we had our customers already, but it was still a whole new experience. And I was extremely nervous. What was the response from the public like? It was great. It was great. We were really busy. The first couple months we opened, we were nonstop. I mean, obviously, after the third month, it slowed down. But right now, we're starting to pick up again. That's kind of what we're expecting. But, yeah, it was a great response. People love it. We have a regular, a lot of regulars from the neighborhood now. Uh, quite a few of our customers come two or three times a week. They live around, and they say it's kind of dangerous that we're in their neighborhood. <laughs> we like to see them coming back over and over again. That's a good thing as a restaurant to be dangerous. Exactly. exactly. I like that. So what what was the feeling like as you unlock those doors to your restaurant for the first time? I mean, we've talked about what a toll this took on you, how much how many hours you put into this, you know, the the emotional stress of having to close the truck and then getting a chance to re like the joy that comes from reopening it. Like there's a really rich history that goes into this place and as you're unlocking those doors for the first time and opening into the public, like what was that feeling like for you? It was almost like when I first opened my food truck, I was like, hopefully, hopefully I'm making the right decision here. Hopefully, hopefully this works out. And hopefully we, I mean, we're look at this five years down the road and be like, I'm glad, I'm so glad I did this. I mean, you never know. I mean, you never know, even though we were very popular and people love our food and, the, the truck had been successful and like a restaurant is a whole different situation, a whole different monster, like they say. So, I mean, I was just nervous, excited, proud, proud that I've gotten this far. So it, I had a lot of emotions all mixed in together. So I couldn't tell you which one was more the strongest <laughs> one, but I had a they're lot all of, just there. One giant tornado of there, craziness. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so you mentioned that this opening the brick and mortar gave you an opportunity to add some items to the menu. And we were talking about this off the mics a little bit, but I want to highlight it here. And that's the fish taco. That thing is really, really good. I I think that that's something it's special. And it's something that I feel like kind of separates you guys because I don't see a whole lot of fresh fish tacos, not fried in Omaha. Can you kind of take me behind the concept? The concept behind that dish, I can't speak, <laughs> but just the concept behind that dish and, and what you think has made it resonate so strongly with the public. Well, people, the fish tacos come become one of our staples at the churro spot, not the churro truck because we didn't have it there, but the churro spot. People that have our fish tacos are like come back for more over and over again. They say it's some of the best fish tacos they've ever had. I mean, we when we first started, I had the when we first opened the brick and mortar. I wanted to have a fish taco for sure. I just wasn't sure if I wanted to have a fried fish or either like a fresh grilled fish. And the main thing that kind of helped me make that easy decision for me was that I didn't have enough room in my kitchen to have two <laughs> fryers. Like I mentioned, if I, I mean, I didn't want to use the same fryer for my churros and the same fryer for my fish. So I figured out the best solution would be to make a grilled fish taco. And 
I'm glad we did because that's like you mentioned. That's that's one thing that people love about it that it's not fried, and I mean it just tastes so fresh. We have our fresh lime salsa that we make every day. We serve it with fresh cilantro, red onions, cabbage, a little bit of our, uh, guacamole salsa, and it just makes it a unique. And obviously, we have our special seasoning that we that I came up with, and that's something that gives our fish a great great flavor. Mm-hmm. Now we've gone far too long without speaking on the logo and that is your dog i believe his is it rico 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 Rico's. tell me about rico because he's in the logo he's on your social media you mentioned there are pictures of him in the restaurant rico is all over the place T- tell me about rico why is he the perfect representation for the churro spot well we like to say that rico owns the business and i just kind of work for him but <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I don't know we we had our Rico was a puppy kind of when we were still, when we, before we opened the restaurant and, uh, we didn't know, I mean, obviously it was a brand new concept before we opened the truck and like, I didn't know what logo, I didn't know what my logo was going to be. I didn't know what I was going to name it. And I was walking my dog. Every time I walked my dog around my neighborhood, everybody said how cute he was, how lovely my dog was. And I'm like, huh? Well, I put two and two together. I'm like, you know what? People love my dog. They'd say he's a cute looking dog. Why don't I make that my logo? And it just came to me. And we had a picture of him holding a dog, a bone, just like the one we have on our logo. That's the original picture we made it into cartoon. And we took the bone out of his mouth, obviously, and put a churro on it. And I, I don't know. It just came to me. I went to a designer. He designed exactly what I was thinking. And ever since then, people have loved it. People have loved it. And we're happy with it. And, I mean, we we have our shirts. We have our hats. And people buy them just because of the logo. They They, they really like it. I think that's another thing, you know, we were talking about earlier, kind of personalizing the business and giving it some personality, giving it some life. That's another thing right there. Like your dog is just like an integral part of the restaurant. He's always going to be there. I think that that's really cool. And it does somehow make the restaurant more relatable, I think. I believe so. And, you know, like my cousin was asking me a couple months ago back, like, what make you come up with that logo? Like, what? What? Are, weren't you afraid that people were gonna like? Why is there a dog and food, <laughs> human food? I like. I didn't think about anything negative. I just, I just thought of it like, man, that would, I would love to have him as a logo, holding a churro and like exactly the way everything was with my my little truck in the front of like on the logo on the bottom of the logo. And we just came to my head. And I went to the designer. He created. I didn't think of anything negative. I just went for it, and I think it worked out. People, people love our stickers. They love our hats. They love our shirts, and it, it's great. I mean, and Rico's obviously around. We bring him around sometimes. People love seeing him. That's fantastic. Uh, so we've done so much talking about the past and, and where the churro truck has come from, evolving into the churro spot. What do you see as the future of the restaurant? Like, where do you see it going next? Well, I'm hoping it keeps getting busier. I mean, it seems like it is, and slowly it's starting to get there. And hoping that I can have it busy enough that I can hire someone to manage and possibility of opening up a second location. And like I said, that's something that I haven't mentioned to Hannah either, really. I mean, I did. <laughs> I'm I sensing did, a theme here. <laughs> I did, but I, she was like, ah, oh, yeah, well, we're, we're just struggling with staff right now, so I don't think that's happening, but it's it's already in my head, you know? So we, I mentioned it. She never said, I don't think that we're not going to do that. She said, well, we're struggling with staff, so it's going to be hard. She didn't say no. <laughs> so every time I drive out west, I mean, I'm always looking for a little spot. If I see something that catches my attention and it has a drive-through, I mean, there's a possibility for a churro spot, too, maybe. Okay, well, we'll, we'll put a pin in that, and and hopefully, 
we'll get some get some news on that sometime in the near future. Hopefully. Maybe, maybe let Hannah know at, yeah, at some yeah. point. Uh, before I get you out of here, there are two questions that I like to ask all my guests uh, just because I think that the answers are fascinating and I think that they really help us as a dining public kind of understand the realities of the restaurant industry a little bit better. And the first one, what is one thing that you think diners don't understand about the restaurant industry that you wish they did? Well, I, some, I mean, especially nowadays, I hope the diners understand that uh, it's a daily struggle on a daily basis now uh, dealing with uh, the cost, the uh, uh, rising food costs. On, uh, every time we go grocery shopping for the restaurant, different price. I mean, and it's adding to uh, the us raising our prices a little. And I just hope the customers are patient and realize that we're trying our best to keep, uh, make, I mean, for us to still have a business running and not uh, overwhelming with the constant changing of prices lately because, it, I mean, it's a daily struggle. It's a daily struggle to make a profit on our, I mean, the food cost is kind of climbing up every week. It seems like it's a little bit higher. So I just hope our customers are patient and they realize that, I mean, it's not because we just are trying to get greedy here. It's just we're trying to stay afloat and make sure we have a, the business running for years to come, so we kind of get to adjust our prices. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much. Hope they're patient. They understand that it's not just because we're being greedy. Because mm-hmm. we're trying to, I mean, have a business run and stay afloat. Yeah, much. I think that that's really important. And like you mentioned, just the uh, the staffing shortages right now is another thing to understand. And on my visits, my food has come out extremely quick at the churro spot uh, within ten minutes. Uh, but that's just something to keep in mind. Rising food costs, staff shortages might might just affect the restaurant experience a little bit, but and not just at the tourist spot anywhere, but you can still have an excellent meal. Just exercise some patience. Yeah. And now to get you out of here on a positive note, what's your favorite thing about working in the restaurant industry? Uh, talking to customers, to be honest. I mean, every day I see different customers and – I mean, every day is something different. I mean, I interact with them, and, I mean, that's just what I like. I like to have fast pace. I've tried other, other, a couple other jobs in my life, like we mentioned, but I just don't like to be stuck in one, one place. I mean, when I'm in a restaurant, I, you'll see me busting tables. You'll see me taking orders. You'll see me cooking. You'll see me doing dishes. I, I mean, I make all my beans, my rice. So every day I'm constantly busy, and I, I love that. I love being on the go. I love talking to new customers. I I like seeing them leaving happy when they're like, oh, this was delicious. I love getting those compliments. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something that I love about my restaurant. Well, I think, you know, just hearing you talk about all the different hats you wear, you see the passion that you put into this. And I think anyone who's listened to your story and the way that you've had to grind, the way that you've had to, you know, work from the bottom up, it, it's just inspiring. And clearly, you would not do that for something that you're not putting a hundred percent into. You are not going to half-ass anything. It is going to be great food every time. And that's what I've experienced at the church rock. And I would highly encourage listeners to go check it out. Try the whole menu, like tacos, sopes, definitely get a torta. I would say the torta is the highlight. Um, fish so tacos. definitely try it. Fish tacos. Yeah. Get some fish tacos and finish it off with a churro. You can't go to the churro spot and not get at least one churro. After you have one, you might 
go back and order a few more. But Omar, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was just such a blessing to get to hear your story and, and hear more about this, what I think is a really special spot. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'm glad uh, we were able to do this. And we hope to see you again soon at the restaurant. Sounds good, my friend. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.